What makes The Labs different from other storytelling podcasts? I know the tagline is true stories gussied up, but I think as the show has grown older, that's more and more kind of just the window dressing of it. I'm a writer and an editor and somebody who has lived through some things, and I think that that allows me to find stories in people who don't always know that they have one, or how to tell it, or how to express it. The audio flourishes that you hear, that's my way of filling in the gaps, of telling a story without having to say it. Imagine that you sat down one-on-one with a good friend and you were telling them this really intimate, amazing part of your life. You're just being you, you're not reading from a page, you don't have to perform, but somehow, As you speak, you've got your own personal soundtrack. You don't even know what's happening. What you end up hearing is the way that those stories made me feel. It is that specific collaboration that I think is what makes this special and something you won't find on other shows. What I'm getting at is that none of this would be possible without your help. All I ask is if the show resonates with you, just consider, even if you've never done it before, this is not your usual thing, a small monthly donation, two, three bucks. I had a friend who went to a casino for his birthday. Uh, He essentially took a match to $50. That's how quick it went. And I'm not asking for $50. Your money isn't going to 15 different employees and their stockholders. It goes directly to me. Just a couple bucks, making this a full-time reality. You can do that at patreon.com slash the laps. Plus, you'll find over an hour of bonus episodes there too. Uh, You'll get the show a full week early. It's a whole bunch of stuff. It's worth your while, I promise. That's again at patreon.com slash the labs. Thanks, folks. With that said, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Lab Storytelling Podcast, where we tell true stories, gussied up. I'm your host, Kyle Jest, and today we have a story from a fellow who prefers that I use his online nickname, so that's what I'm going to do. His name is Sire, and Sire made it very clear to me that he didn't want people walking away from this story thinking it was a sob story. It's not the first time I've heard that. I understand that anxiety, though. You know, people don't want to come across as cloying or whiny or, or, or attention-seeking. I had to tell him, people are more complex than that. Sometimes life is shitty. Uh, by the way, there's going to be a bunch of cursing in this episode. And sometimes it's not. But your and my and everyone else's life featured on this show, I don't think anyone would dare accuse them of being or telling a sob story. But they would call them honest, open, and engaging storytellers. Sire's experience begins with homelessness, Well, actually, it kind of starts well before that, but this particular story begins there, and it finds its way into one of the least likely places you might expect. I'm calling this one Carnival of the Damned. See with your ears, this is The Lapse. There is a serious heat wave hitting Madison, Wisconsin. 41 degrees, actually, about 106 degrees Fahrenheit, and Sire, that's his nickname, the only home he's got is in his car. I think I was only homeless for like a few days. And I was actually going to, um, it's just a stupid little like thrift store, but I was like trying to sell some of my clothes there to get some more gas money. And so I'm walking down this hill with like this bag, just feeling like my normal self because it was only a few days. It didn't really take a few days in that heat to, uh, become apparent that I really needed a shower. I'll never forget like the first time I realized, oh, I'm that guy. Like I'm that person that people call a bum. Imagine like you go to the gym for like a week straight and you still wear those same clothes. And imagine like the person that you sleep with at night actually shit themselves 
And imagine going to work in that and like shaking your boss's hand. <laughs> then imagine work is like literally the entire world. I, I felt like a complete reject, both embarrassed, but also like desperate for anybody to see me as something other than that. They were having like this uh, 4th of July celebration a bit early in, uh, you know, Madison, Wisconsin, as they do most places. I remember like being done applying to places because they had all shut down that night and just like trying to walk back to my car. The people right behind me were just like kicking dirt up into me so that I looked dirtier. Not retaliating was one of the hardest things that I've ever done, but I knew that if I did, if that I even like turned around and swore at them and they call the cops, like, what am I going to say? I'm, I'm the guy who has like nothing going for me. I found my car. Someone comes up to me. I think they were also homeless or near homelessness. Hey, hey, bro. Where you headed? You living on the street? Um, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of moving, you know, my stuff's in my car, whatever. You want to give me a ride, man? I'll pay you, you give me a ride. Sure. You know, why not? It's, I actually was really desperate for the money. I wasn't trying to show that. It's a good thing they don't have to go too far, because Cyrus Tank's been hovering over the E ever since he got into town. At least this way, he figures he might be able to put something back in it. Right as I am turning into the parking lot of where he wants to go, I run out of gas. Dude gets out and just books it. Thanks for the ride. Fuck, why did I fall for that? The next morning is sweltering. I kind of just left my car there and hoped that like no one would touch it for a few days. Fortunately, there's a mall a ways away. Free AC. By the time I got to this mall, like I was already like a disgusting ball of just like mess. I instantly bought something from the mall because like I didn't want to get kicked out and I just chilled there. Morning becomes afternoon becomes evening. That's when he hears it. Music. The carnival's in town. For Sire, the lights, the sounds, the mini donuts, all that's exciting, but for a very different reason. Is there a manager around here? So, like, they introduced me to this dude, and he's like the hyper masculinity that I am not. I just wondered if you need help tonight. I can work for you tonight, and you can just see how it is, and you know, if you want to hire me on, I can come back. Uh, listen, brother, we already got enough help for tonight, but, uh,. Fourth of July is coming up. We could use more hands. I tell you, you uh, you come on the road with us. Sure, I'll give you some work. Um, you know, I got a car, but it's out of gas right now. You know, just is there any way that like I can make some money, or you could give me some money so I, that I could take it on the road with you guys? That way, I could have my clothes. All right, all right. Listen, I'm gonna make a deal. You take it or leave it. You can hitch a ride with us. You can make some money, and when I come back to Madison, I'll give you a ride to your car, and you can keep working with us, or you can go your separate way. How's that sound? When I got into the car with, uh, you know, the boss's wife was driving and some of the workers there, it was kind of like my first experience of, like, how everybody there was. 
it, it wasn't a normal like employer employee type relationship. When the boss's wife speaks, the replies come quick. Yes, ma'am, and yes, mama. But I was like, you know what, maybe this is just a family. The person actually in the front seat, there was definitely like a lack of uh, a lack of something mentally there. I mean, I was cool with that, like that was totally fine, but like someone in the back seat called her the um, carnival slut. I, I realized that like that wasn't sarcasm. They actually like fucked this person who was usually like on drugs a lot. She was very uh, proud to call herself the carnival slut, but in a way that you could tell that was the only way that she felt she would be accepted. The boss's wife was there, so it wasn't like low key or anything. Like this was super on the up and up. That like that was the tone that this was set in. The employees sleep in trailers that travel with the company. Sarah will have a roof over his head. The bad news? Picture whatever you're thinking of and then like half it. Their water or electric or whatever type of hookups that you do on a trailer that gives you like air conditioning and all that shit. All of that didn't work. The trailer's connected and divided by like these little partitions. You can hear someone fucking and all I can think of is this person that they're calling the carnival slut and I just felt like disgusted for that whole situation. And I basically like crawl underneath the trailer and try to sleep there. The next day I wake up, five or six o'clock. This is when I find out how much you're getting paid. So he was like, hey, we'll just like sign the paperwork, you know, once we get over there because my wife has it, she'll drive you there. So you'll sign the paperwork and everything will be cool. Like I literally had people throw beer at me as they were driving by with my resume in hand, walking to a job. Get a job, bub. I need to work. So I didn't really even want to ask too much about money because I was like, man, this might totally fuck me over. The pay per day was $32 a day. Considering they'll be working up to 16, that's $2 an hour. You know those like spinning teapots? Each one of those teapots is detachable. Human beings actually lift those up and put those into slots on the machine. Those things weigh like 300 pounds. And they had like two people trying to do it, lifting that shit up over their head. So it's not just like we were working like water bottles or something, you know, in a food stand for 16 hours. No, we were doing like hard, hard manual labor. When I couldn't do that and they had to get another third person, they were like, you fucking pussy. Suck it up and get to work. You guys are fucking crazy. I think the first day I had like thrown up twice. If you know what cystic fibrosis is, I have like a mild version of that. I lose a lot more electrolytes and you know, all that good stuff. I didn't have a car and no one was about to drive me to like a grocery store or anything. They didn't supply water either. So we had like a gas station. And I realized at that point that I've already like spent like 11 bucks I think it was. 
one of the workers like literally bragged to me is like I have about like a thousand saved up by now and I've been working here for like two straight years saving that shit up. They were all like traveling, traveling with this carnival. Like if they wanted out, they had no way like out. Between the manual labor and the sun and with no grocery store and walking distance, by the end of the day, Cyrus spent all $32 just to stay fed and hydrated. The second day, I threw up immediately. They still didn't have anything hooked up. And I went there first, like, just begging for water. They gave me, like, one water bottle. Not, like, a big water bottle. Like, one vending machine water bottle. The boss took a trip to Madison that he didn't tell me about or didn't invite me on to go get gas for my car. This dude rolled up with, like, six other Hummers. He had money. I need to go there. If you guys are actually going to pay me, I'll work and I'll not spend any of this. I won't drink anything. I'll be dehydrated. I'll throw up a million times, puke my brains out. I just need gas money. One of the workers claps him on the back. A faint of sympathy. Aw, oh, come on, man. Don't actually, like, you know, go hungry. Eat something, drink something, stay healthy, you know? I worked that next day kind of under the same conditions. There was a guy that fainted, and this guy was older. Like, I think he was like 60-something. He fainted. They literally splashed water on him. When he stood up, the boss dude came over and slapped him across the fucking face and said, get back to work. And this dude just turned around and got right back to work. That day we just moved a bunch more shit and I kind of just stumbled around half of it, kind of really like dazed, just confused and out of it, throwing up all the time, being told to get back to work. That really um, went on until that night. One of the few people to ever visit the carnival was like this dude who randomly rolled up So he came into the carnival, like, super drunk. The boss's wife met him, and he started, like, making these weird advances towards her, trying to touch her. Sire interrupts to say something. Another voice cuts in. And another. Shouts are ringing out from all around the carnival. It was like the orcs and, like, the Lord of the Rings. She's, like, basically calling her goons. Wino makes a break for it. The throng disappears over the hills. They come back and they're all in this like group of like, oh man, if I caught him, I would have fucked him up, man. This like reverence to like this person that didn't deserve it at all. I didn't like join in on that talk, but in that moment, I somewhat understood what was in the minds of all those other workers there. That was almost me a minute ago. Mama thanks each of them in turn. Sire snatches the opportunity. I was like, okay, well, she thanked me. So I'm going to like try and get on her good side and ask her about these papers that I've been asking about. 
she brings me into her trailer, which is how I see that hmm, they have hookups, they have electricity, they have all this shit that we don't seem to have. You know, as so I'm just sitting there kind of waiting for her to get her papers, she goes like back in her trailer claiming she's getting her papers. And she brings out like this binder, but she never gives it to me. As long as I'm sheriff around here, the She sits down, crosses one leg over the other, and she says to Sire, Tell me, how did you come to be in your situation? I'm kind of like just trying to, you know, talk really short to get to the point of the papers. No, I mean it. Everybody came from somewhere. Everybody has somebody on their team, somebody who loves them, cares for them. Do you have anybody who loves you? She's trying to, like, ask all these, like, therapist-type questions, not giving me these papers. You have to have someone who loves you. Don't you? Everybody has someone who loves them. I just, like, basically break down in tears at one point. She calls in the other female workers and basically... Well, he just started crying, saying he has nobody who loves him. Cheer him up, would you? There was like three female workers. One that I remember specifically responded like, everybody has somebody. That's fucking bullshit. Everybody has somebody, even if it's just one person. Are you sure you don't, or you really don't have anybody? (laughs) Until I actually adapted socially. I only knew online people, really. That was mostly my outlet. And I, I met this person that ended up being like a complete lifeline there was a lot of times when i was just like sleeping on the sidewalk with like people walking over me looking at me in disgust i think she kept me sane she was the only person that actually showed me love you sure you don't you really don't have anybody Well, there's this one person that I talked to, but we never really met or anything, and I'm not really sure how long she'll stick around. See? You have somebody. And you know, while she's waiting for you, suck it up. You don't want all the stress before the 4th of July, do you? be a lot of work out there. For everybody. The boss's wife bids Sire goodbye. I woke up and was just so dehydrated that I couldn't work. I physically just could not work. I like lay down in some shade and just kind of fell asleep. They said I passed out. I don't really think I passed out. I mean, that was like kind of a common theme was like, they were very proud that they could take it. We can take this. We're tough and you're not. But at their day, like... This guy, this fucking Frederick, has gone to Madison like three more times after that first time and not asked me about it, not taken me. And every time I ask him about it... Man, you know, I was in a rush, but I'll get you. Ask me tomorrow. And that third day, he actually said, hey, man, we need you for the fourth. Just stick around to the fourth, and then maybe I'll give you a trip. That was the first time, instead of just bullshitting me, he actually used it as a bargain. He's never going to let me go. Like, it sounds crazy, but I was trying to start like a mutiny. I was stranded there and like these people were trapping me there because I had no other option. Like it was literally the middle of nowhere. Like there was a diner and there's a gas station. 
I was taking them, you know, kind of one-on-one, like, hey, man, why do you do this? You know, like, you can get better jobs. And, you know, some people, that's how I found out that some of them had warrants, you know, as they were like, yeah, but, you know, then I would have to spend some time. And, you know, that might be a long time. The more I met these people, the more I realized, like, they're exploiting all these people. It would be hard for them to get another job. Or in the case of that one person they called the carnival slut, some of them weren't there socially and mentally. Mostly like the younger ones, they were just very proud that they could take it. Not everybody can do this work, you know? And so I, I just couldn't get any of them to like see any hope. Those days are honestly kind of very blurred because I was in and out of it a lot. I kind of reached a point where like, I didn't have anything left to throw up, but when I would drink water or something, I would just throw that up. I basically stumbled to the gas station that's like kind of across the street. Sire lurches over to the cashier. He just needs someone, anyone, to listen. Man, do you know what the fuck is going on like right across the street? Like, do you know how much they fucking pay us and shit? The customers are giving me like this side eye view of like, this motherfucker over here, you know? He um, kind of just brushed me off and, you know, I, I was just seeming like a very disgruntled employee. Dejected, Sire limps back to the pumps. Excuse me, uh, did you need a ride? You're probably not going where I am, it's quite a ways away. So, where are you going? Madison. Yeah, I can make a trip up there. Mind you, like, Madison's like, Two and a half, maybe three hours away from Columbus, Wisconsin. He has me get in his car. Mind you, I'm like smelly as shit. I only had one change of clothes. It's a long drive. Plenty of room for Sire to vent. Just a little. Man's a good, solid, sympathetic ear. But the longer they drive, the more Sire can't help but notice a rattle behind him. The slightly disconcerting set of metal canisters in the back, all daisy-chained together. What the fuck is this? Because it looks like this dude is, like, planning the next, like, terrorist bombing or something. Like, it just has a bunch of canisters in the back, filled to the brim, like, you can barely see out the back window. Dude, what is this? Oh, yeah. That's sperm. Cow sperm. Or, like, bull sperm, whatever the fuck. I don't really know how the business works. Two talk shop, share a little. By the end of it, Sire finally gets his ride back to his car in Madison. Even a little gas to get him started. It started my car and got me to a more legal parking situation, which I was happy for. And the next thing I know, like, I, I'm waking up. It's three days, they felt like a month because... Yeah, I mean, I have, I have no clue. Still to this day, like, I'm puzzled at how this scene survived. His trucks, his Hummers, how he had so much money, even though people were supposed to come by, and, like, that shit was rare. Like, it wasn't like a lot of people were dropping by. Like, he definitely had money. It wasn't like he was telling people he was, like, a millionaire. Like, I actually legitimately believe to this day that he was, like, a millionaire. And I don't understand, like, how he was moving that kind of money 
in that situation. Like either he was doing some complete like forgery shit like on taxes or he just totally was doing it under the table. I have, I have no clue how he got away with this. I kind of caution myself from seeing these people as like master manipulators, you know, like like I almost don't want to give them that kind of credit. Like I don't want to be like, oh, they planned this shit out. I don't even want to give this person credit for refusing to give me the papers and instead like getting me in an emotional breakdown. They definitely knew they were using people, don't get me wrong. It's just like, like I don't know if they knew that if they ran people down enough that they couldn't actually think to resist. She's a total fucking prick, you know? The thought of like, of giving them that credit is a little bit like, it's just hard. That story again was shared by Sire. You'll find him and his further exploits at Worthy Sire on Twitter, and he encourages everyone to look up OM Build on Facebook, the organization responsible for helping get him, many others like him, off of the streets. By the way, if any of you happen to come across a suspect carnival in the Midwest, maybe tell someone. So while Sire is no longer homeless, how he bounced back and, and especially how he became homeless are stories in and of themselves. You can hear a bit more about that in a mini-sode that's going to be up for supporters on Patreon. That along with 10 others at patreon.com slash the laps. Thank you so, so much to my wonderful supporters that you continue to make this a reality is both humbling and amazing. And in particular, this month, Jennifer Cherney, Cindy Crines, Matthew Gibson, 802 Studios, Rob Holcomb, Jill Galvez, Anthony Cantu, and David McCaw. You too can be a part of making this little indie an engine that could. Just a couple bucks a month. Patreon.com slash the laps. If you've got a story to tell, one you'd like to see gussied up here on the laps, you can get in touch with me. You don't need to be a practice storyteller, I promise. It's just a conversation between you and me. Talk to me, stories at thelaps.org. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Laps Podcast. My name is Kyle Jest, and this was The Laps. Thank you so much for listening.